My friends in Christ, I'm willing to bet that that parable we just heard is not your favorite. It's certainly not mine. For me, it conjures up a long litany of life's injustices. I think, for instance, of the physical fitness zealot who might miss a meal but never a workout, and whose daily regimen would rival that of an Olympics athlete. He turns out to be the one who gets diagnosed with coronary artery disease, while his beer-drinking, burger-eating, overweight, couch-potato friend gets a clean bill of health. Where's the justice? Or I think back to school days, to the classmate who seldom studied, was invariably late turning in assignments, did nothing more than glance casually over the material the night before the finals, and then aced the exam, ruining the curve for the rest. Again, where's the justice? Then there's the classic case of the one who all his life long manages to drink deeply and liberally of all life's pleasures, including the forbidden ones, and then has this marvelous photo-finished deathbed conversion right at the end, complete with candles, holy oils, solemn anointing, and final absolution. Where's the justice? That's the question raised by today's parable. Where's the justice? Most of us, I think, it's fair to say, find ourselves in sympathy with those poor laborers of the parable who bore the burden of the day's sweltering heat, working their fingers to the bone from dawn to dusk. Our sense of justice and right order is seriously violated when those latecomers, who probably whiled away their day in the shade, snoozing or maybe even boozing, they're paid the same as if they too had worked the whole day. Where's the justice? And you know, I think Jesus wanted us to react in exactly this way. I think he told this parable for precisely that reason, to shake us up and offend our sensibilities. I think he told this parable to wake us up to the message we heard in today's first reading from Isaiah, that God's ways are not our ways, nor are God's thoughts our thoughts. The parable of the 11th hour laborers is a perfect illustration of that difficult yet essential bit of biblical wisdom. God's ways can be described by one word, my friends, one deceptively simple word which we are quite good at misunderstanding. The word is grace. With God, all is grace. With God, there is really no such thing as earning. Or put it this way, earning is itself God's gift. The generosity of God, the mysterious and almost scandalous generosity of God, that's what this parable is about. There is nothing we have that is not God's generous gift beginning with life itself, of course, and including everything we have, our talents, our personalities, our family and friends, our job, our possessions, the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the flowers in our garden, the sun and the moon, the stars in the sky, and of course, our faith. That's a gift. And so are the good works we do, and even the desire we have to do them. Everything everything 
is God's gift. And so, while we busy ourselves with careful calculations down to the last decimal point about what we have coming to us because of all we've done, the masses we've attended, the homilies we've endured, the sacrifices we've made, the donations we've made, God is having a wonderful time of doing what God does best, giving freely, almost recklessly, whenever and wherever and to whomever he wills. God, it seems, doesn't pay a lot of attention to our mathematics or to our carefully calculated balance sheet. Now, I don't know about you, but something in me likes the merit system better. It seems so much more dependable, so predictable, so just. But when I remember my own sins and shortcomings and recall that I really have no way of knowing what's going on in the lives of others, then it's probably best to let God and God's grace have the last word after all.